Over these next few weeks, starting last week, this week, and next week, we're looking kind of, we've been looking at the book of Proverbs, taking a little bit of break within the book of Proverbs to do this three-week series on advice and planning and decisions. And so you might be here this morning and you might be facing one of those things, in particular, a big decision or uh, planning that you're making, and you might be just saying, I need to be still. And that's our desire and our hope here as we look to God's word. And so... um, My name is Jeff Brewer. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're with us. If you're visiting here this morning, we want to welcome you. I'd love to meet you after the service. If you wouldn't mind coming down and introducing yourself, I'd love to greet you, let you know a little bit more about Hope, as would Pastor John or uh, any of the other leaders who are here. And so we're glad to be able to be together Uh, Just a few things I want to remind us of, uh, as uh, Pastor John already did, uh, with Glenbard East High School, we are excited to go back there, Uh, and as John said, there are many areas to serve, and it'll really be kind of all hands on deck as we head back in there, we think, get things set up, torn down, um, kids, um, teachers, help kids, teachers, helpers in the nursery, um, there are a lot of areas we can be serving and we want to. We've loved having a permanent space. Actually, we looked pretty extensively for a permanent space that might work where we could gather and worship as well as have Hope Kids because we can't do both here. And really, to this point, we've not been able to find anything. And so we're very thankful we're able to get back into Glenbard East and we're looking forward to that. And so also, as was prayed for by Chris, um, Jared and Megan Cockrum are coming. Jared will be serving as our church plant pastor and preparing where we will plant next uh, in the future. And you'll hear more about that. He'll be coming and preaching, both Jared and Megan and their son Silas will be coming on uh, August 8th. We'll um, be doing some activities in that weekend where you can get to know them a little bit more. And so also one last thing before we spend some time in God's word. Next Sunday morning, we're gonna be having a, or Sunday right after the service, upstairs in our main offices, We'll be having a membership class, and so if you would like to learn more about what membership in a local church is, what it means to be a member here at Hope, we'd love to invite you to that. There'll be a, l- a light lunch that will be served. Um, there'll be an opportunity that someone will be there. Uh, if you have kids, they'll be able to have some toys and some things to be playing with in the little nursery that we have there. And so um, if you're interested in that, you can write to office at myhopefellowship.org or see myself or Pastor John here this morning. So... Lots going on, lots ramping up. I don't know if I don't know about you, but um, I constantly, I think, am saying, "What date is it? Where are we? What's going on?" Like, it feels like everything's ramping back up, and everybody's a little bit unsure of like, is everything starting again in life? And you know, what's going on here? And so, it's July 18th. We're here. School is coming for your kids. Life is happening. You're probably back in your offices, and so. Let's be thinking about how we can come to God's word here and quiet our hearts this morning. And so let me read from Psalm, or some, from Proverbs 16. These are some of the verses we'll look at this morning. Proverbs 16, verses 1 through 3, and then I'll pray and we'll spend some time in God's word. So Proverbs 16. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, But the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for 
Again, this time and this place to be able to meet, you have provided for us so abundantly over these months walking through COVID. Father, we thank you for this space. We thank you that we're able to meet here this morning. We thank you for the administration of Glenbard East and for the ability to be uh, preparing to worship there starting in September. And so we acknowledge that these, both of these places are a gift from you and provided by you. And so we thank you for your provision at just the right time as we need it as a church. And so we thank you for this opportunity we have this morning to think about how we might make plans how we might look to you and how we might delight in your greatest plan, which is the sending of your son that he might bear our sins. And so, Father, may all of our plans be submitted to you, all of our hearts that are here, whether they're hearts that are feeling turmoil or grief, sadness, joy, or a mixture of all of those things, Lord, we submit ourselves to you and we seek to listen to you from your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Dwight D. Eisenhower, Allied General over the European Theater in World War II and later, obviously, President of the United States, he said, in preparing for battle, I've always found that plans are worthless, but planning is everything. Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln, speaking of planning, he said, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I'll spend the first four sharpening my axe. And of course, maybe the most well-known modern-day proverb from Benjamin Franklin, those who fail to plan, what do they do? Plan to fail. So as we come to the book of Proverbs again here, I I want us to begin with a summary of really, I don't know if it's the main point, but it's really a summary of what we're going to be thinking about uh, in planning this morning. And so here's how I'd, I'd say that. Planning is very important, and it's right to plan but we must make our plans remembering that God is in control. So we don't want to necessarily say that, uh, you know, plans are worthless. According to scripture, they're not. Planning is very important and it's right to plan, but we must make our plans remembering that God is in control. Now, to, to think about this topic of planning here this morning from Proverbs, I want us to look at two ways to plan, two perspectives on the plans we make, And then I want us to end by considering how might we make wise plans. So two ways to plan, two perspectives on the plans that we make, and then how might we make wise plans. So that's kind of where we're headed here this morning. And so let's look first at two ways to plan. You know, we all plan, obviously, and but we would just need to acknowledge that some of our plans are are higher stakes than others. You know, we might make a plan for a grocery list, and the reason we plan, at least the reason I plan before I go to the grocery, and certainly Jen makes sure I plan before I go to the grocery, is we don't just want to buy what looks good when we walk up and down the aisles. You know, that whole kind of don't go to the grocery when you're hungry. I, I need to understand, I need to plan in a way that gets me to not just buy everything I see. But, you know, it's, it's grocery shopping. The world's not going to come to an end. If we don't make a plan, we can make a pretty good plan. We, you know, we might think about how we plan for vacation, you know, so we don't wind up like relatives of, of our family who this last year, they didn't plan to rent a car when they went to Orlando back in March, and they found out two days before they landed that the car was going to cost them $3,000 for a week in Orlando. So planning does have consequences, even for things that are important but not life or death 
matters. But there is planning that has much higher stakes. You know, somebody might plan out a proposal with every, a marriage proposal with every detail being meticulously thought out. You know, we plan which college we might want to go to, or we plan for what kind of a house we want to buy, or saving for a house, or where we'll live. We plan for retirement. We even make end-of-life plans. And so we all plan every day. We all make big plans and little plans, and, and planning is anything that we're doing to prepare for the future that we might know in some ways or may be completely unknown to us. So it's preparing for the future. And so the importance of planning in this way is to remember that most of planning that we think of is probably thought of in a good light. All of us would likely say that is a good thing to plan. But Proverbs actually, it adds a moral dimension. There are two ways to plan planning for good and planning for evil. Planning for good and planning for evil. And so look with me at Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. So Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil. Now, if you notice there at the beginning of verse 16, the author um, kind of repeats the same concept in two different ways, kind of that there are six things the Lord hates, yea, even seven. I think maybe the King James kind of says in that language. And, And it's an emphasis to let us know this is really serious. The Lord feels very strongly towards this. And the Lord hates something or that it's an abomination to him. What it's doing is it's communicating that these things offend who God is and the order that he's established. So God, what God hates is those who are against him or things that are against him or the order or the plans or the, that he has made. And so if you think about Leviticus chapter 19, uh, God is telling the Israelites that I am your God. You are my people, and then he gives them statutes and laws that they might respond to him. And so it's important on how we live, how God's people live, is based on who he is and what he calls us and how he calls us to live. And so to grow in wisdom then is to seek to hate what he hates, probably don't normally speak in that kind of language in our minds, and love what he loves. And one of the things that he hates, at least according to Proverbs 6 that we just saw, in addition to the six other things that are listed, maybe we might kind of say, well, murder's there and lying. Of course, God would hate those things. Listen to what he hates. A heart that devises wicked plans. A heart that devises wicked plans. And so when we plan that which dishonors God, we're both willfully choosing what is wrong as, a, as well as potentially laying a trap for others. And so think about it like this. Our temptation that we face when we're lured and enticed by the potential sin that we're giving into, there is an element there when we're being tempted or being lured and enticed, there is an element that is at some point when we start to give in to sin, we're planning for that sin. We're we're planning for that wickedness. It turns from maybe or I'm tempted 
to how will I get that? And so we want to be very clear that that kind of planning dishonors God. But also it's not just kind of moral in the sense of what God hates, but also what God loves. And so look, if you have your Bibles, or if you look up on the screen, Proverbs 12.20, it points us to the kind of planning that's good and brings honor to God and for our good. It says, Proverbs 12.20, deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. So it's a good thing to be thinking intentionally, to be planning peace. That is what brings joy to us. To, to be planning for good brings good to us. You know, those who make plans for peace have joy. They're, they're planning for the right thing. You know, someone, you might do this just by planning for a meeting. If, you're, if you know you're going into a meeting this week, and in that meeting you know there's going to be some difficult things that are discussed, and in that meeting and the difficulty and the difficult things that are discussed, you know there are going to be certain people maybe in your office that are going to kind of walk out and they're going to kind of have the meeting after the meeting, right? Maybe the, the meeting down in the parking lot or kind of, kind of in a back hallway where they're starting to complain, they're starting to kind of just really rip into the boss. They're starting to let them have it. And so there might be an aspect of how do I plan for good in a way where I'm not giving in to, to what might be happening there. So we can, we can avoid temptation by planning to do good. You know, Proverbs 15, 1, you know, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So as parents... As employees, as friends, when we're in a conflict, how do we remember and how do we be planning for a soft answer when we might be tempted to not give a soft answer, to give a harsh word? So we remember and we plan for a soft answer turns away wrath. Maybe, parents, that's with your kids this week and you know there is going to be a time where there's going to be a conflict and you want to be planning beforehand, how am I going to speak to my children and my teens in such a way that it's a soft answer? How do I plan for that? So, So it's good to plan for good, that God wants that. Also, it's bad to be planning for evil. So there is a moral dimension. There are two ways to plan. A way that plans evil and a way that plans good that we see in Proverbs. So let's turn though to, to two perspectives on the plans that we make. Not just kind of two ways to plan, but two perspectives on the plans that we make. So let, listen to Proverbs 19.21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So, what are the two perspectives on the plans that we make? Our plans, our perspective on our plans, and God's plans and his perspective on those plans. So, Proverbs 19.21, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purposes of the Lord, purpose of the Lord that will stand. Or Proverbs 16, 1 through 3 that we just read right before we jumped in here. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. So let's, let's spend a little bit of time there, especially in, Psalms, or in Proverbs. I'm going to keep doing that all day, I think, here. Uh, Proverbs 16. The plans of the heart, he starts, 
the plans of the heart belong to man. Now, plans there could be translated kind of arrangements or, or considerations. It's plans in, in Scripture are an organizational kind of uh, something we're doing to organize our life or organize a, for battle if it's an army, but uh, responsibility or arrangements or considerations. And, and it's, always, it's a good thing to be making plans. Scripture assumes that we're going to make plans. It's natural and it's right, and it's wise. It's, it's part of being a good steward of the work that we have and what we're called to do. You know, there, but there might be some who take a really loose approach to life, kind of taking the waves of life as they come, and they kind of say, like, really, the faithful way to live isn't to plan as much, but to just let go and let God. They, they might treat planning like it's presuming on God or that it's lacking faith. But faith, actually, and planning, they go together, and the Bible encourages us to plan well. And, and maybe one of the, the, the highest stakes plans that we can make is what Jesus says in Luke 14, 27. He's, he's telling his disciples, essentially, you need to count the cost of following me. Because Jesus knew he was going to the cross. And he said, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And so that's high stakes planning where it matters most, our eternal destiny, that we're counting the cost, that we're making a plan and saying, is Jesus worth it? So it's right to plan, but look at the next line here in Proverbs 16.1. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Now that's that kind of seems like a confusing phrase, right? But the answer of the tongue, what's he talking about there? You know, one translator translates it, but from Yahweh or from the Lord comes a responding tongue. In other words, we plan, these plans are in our hearts, we're making the plans, but the response to our plans actually comes from God. So God's responding to our plans and he's bringing them in line with his plans and what will be determined by him. So, so if you think about it like this, big picture, when, when we think about planning, we should think about it to, in two ways scripturally. We, we, should, we have responsibility, we have responsibility to plan, God gives a, that to us, and God is in ultimate, has ultimate authority and control. So we should make plans, we don't just live like a surfer in Malibu who's just kind of waiting on the next wave of life to come, we should be planning but we also shouldn't be like an architect and a kind of expecting our life to turn out to our blueprints and essentially we're laying the blueprints that we have for our lives before God and saying essentially, God, you better deliver on this because this is what's going to, this, uh, God loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life like the evangelistic track says and this is it, God, and so keep your end of the bargain. So we can kind of go off two sides kind of into ditches on either side. But, but, Think about your life when you were 16. Those plans may have changed a little bit by the time you got to when you were 24. But both when you were 16 and when you were 24, how many of those plans that you were so sure of, that's where you were headed, that's the direction that I was going, this is what I'm gonna do, this is who I'm gonna marry, this is how many kids I'm gonna have, this is the type of house I'm gonna live in, all of these ways and all of these expectations and plans. How many of those actually came to fruition in the way that we thought they would. I would probably argue for many of us, if not all of us, 
God has spoken his plan into existence in a thousand direction-changing ways in our lives over the years, such that we would have never known we'd wind up where we are today because of how he was at work. And so we could say it this way, God adjusts the plans that we make. Sometimes we're disappointed. Maybe you didn't get into your first college choice. Maybe you didn't get the scholarship you needed to stay in the college you wanted to be at. Maybe you lost your job and that wasn't in the plans that you had for your life. You know, all of these abrupt kind of paths and the way that they turn, you know, that we can be incredibly disappointed along the way. And so what we have to do is just remember, we're human, we live in a world, in a sinful world, where all of our plans don't work the way we want. Our plans, by the very nature of we're making them, are limited. Look, I think where we get a, go off the rails a little bit in our minds, if I can just say it this way, is when we have our expectations of the plans and how they're going to work out, and we assume or we presume upon God that he's going to just kind of baptize all of our plans and just go exactly the way we want to, do, to go. And then we're disappointed not in what's happening. We, also, we can transfer that disappointment right over to God. God, why are you doing this? Why would you do something that's so opposite? You know my heart, God. You know what I want. Why are you doing something that's different? We have to remember, look, whenever we plan, our plans are limited. We can't see all of the possibilities. We can't know all of the outcomes. We can't know. We don't know how long we're going to have life and breath. You know, kind of like the song that we sing when we sing from life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. That's the reality of our lives and our children's lives and all that we have. And so trusting God and being faith-filled, trusting him, it doesn't mean we're just along for the ride, that God use, but God does use our planning. He does use our thinking. He does use our praying. And God opens up some doors and he clearly closes others. And so next week, we're going to focus a lot on kind of the, if there's kind of one of these messages that's probably the one where it'd be like, okay, how do we make decisions? That's good to get advice. It's good to make wise plans. But, but what about decisions? What if I've made the wrong decision? How do my decisions work with God? We're, we're heading that way next week. But, but what we should be set, set free of, and I want to say this week especially, is this view of planning and decisions that make, uh, put this kind of unnecessary weight on ourselves and on our plans and on how we think our life should go. And really what we're doing is we're taking and putting on our shoulders what only God can bear. He can bear what it is that is going on in our lives more than we can. He is our shepherd. We shall not want. And so sometimes we don't know what to do. Most of the time. Look, making decisions, I had a friend who told me, making decisions in most of life is moving forward with about 60% clarity. Don't we all want 100% clarity? Don't we all just want the kind of the sky riding in the sky? I better stop or I'll start preaching next week's passage before this week. But here's here's the point. We can take comfort in a God who's in control and who works according to his purposes we don't have to be in control. All of our plans are limited. And so what I think we should do in some ways is essentially we are taking our plans to God and we're saying, God, this is my best attempt at what I think we should do or what I think I should do. 
but I'm submitting these plans and even myself to you. And even if you redirect in wildly different ways, even in ways I don't want, help me to trust you and know you are loving, you are sovereign, you're in control. Or you might be saying, you know, God, I, I made plans that I thought were good and, and, and now I'm not so sure. I'm on this path and I don't know if what my, the decisions I made and the plans that I made, if those were wise or not. And so can you help me to trust you and rely on you and know that you're still in control even now? But, but before we leave this point, let's kind of think about it from a, a little bit different angle. Look at 16 verse 3. It's the final verse in those three lines, and, and because I think it might imply something different. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. You know, this seems to say kind of almost this name it and claim it, kind of like, look, make your plans, commit them to the Lord, and then you go forward, and you let nothing, nothing deter you. Your plans will be established. God promised he's going. But, but rather than this teaching what we tell God we're doing as long as we're faithful, he's going to accomplish and he's going to kind of agree with it. I, I actually think it reinforces even more what we've just seen. To commit our work to the Lord is to reveal our work to the Lord. It's to essentially say, here it is. It, it actually, that verse is demonstrating the importance of planning well and submitting those plans to the will of God for his adjustment. The way our plans will be established is it will be in what God brings to pass. So the Lord has a responding tongue. He will speak forth truth. You know, remember James chapter four. So here's kind of an attitude kind of just a reminder for us. James chapter four, verses 13 through 16. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet, You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Now, what this isn't teaching is just, no matter what you say, just kind of add Lord willing at the end. You know, just kind of almost like, amen, Lord willing. But what it is helping us to do is, we just remember Look, we don't know what's going to happen in our lives tomorrow. We don't know what news we're going to receive this week or the next month. You know, look, cemeteries are filled with people who still had unchecked items on their to-do lists. So we submit all of our plans to God. And we know that we're finite and we know that some of them will get done and some of them won't. And so we do all of this then submitting ourselves saying, Lord, if you will, according to your will, not mine. And so this is human responsibility and God's sovereignty kind of fitting together. And again, next week we're going to talk more about that in terms of our decisions and decisions that we make. And can we make such a mistake that God is, is kind of, his hands are tied and now we're just kind of, we've made our bed and we've got to lie in it. Or how does that fit together? So there are two ways to plan, planning good, planning evil, There are two perspectives to remember as we plan, our plans and God's plan. And so finally this morning, let's ask this. How do we make wise plans? How do we make wise plans? I think it would be wise to say when we say, how do we make wise plans, that this isn't 
like a three-step process to make wise plans no matter what. This is just, these are a few ways. There's probably 30 ways we could have talked about here. And so the first way is just, how do we make wise plans? Make plans that prioritize what God prioritizes. You know, last week when we introduced Jared and talked about Jared as our new church plant pastor, we began to reveal some of the plans for what it looks like to be a church planting church. And, And we think churches planting churches is right at the heart of what God prioritizes. It's not the only thing that God prioritizes in his word. We want to continue to think about all of these ways that we can be a church in our communities and love the communities that we're in. But it is one thing that we do know God prioritizes. And so here we've made these plans and essentially we're saying, Lord, we think they're a priority to you. Would you help us? And here, they, here are these plans. Would you work, we ask. But, but more even just than our church, what about our lives? How can we seek to have a priority what God has as a priority? So listen to Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, Matthew 22, I don't know if I put this slide in here. Matthew 22:37, 37. And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so if we're planning and we want to prioritize what God prioritizes, we need to be prioritizing that no matter what we're doing, whether it's word or deed, whether it's big things or small things, whether it's going to the grocery store, kind of some mundane task and planning, or it's kind of these end-of-life plans, whatever it is, we want to eat, drink, do all for the glory of God. And so how do we do that? How do we make sure we're prioritizing? That's why I think this greatest commandment that Jesus says we love our Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and that we'd be seeking, and seeking to lay a hold of what he loves and what he hates, to delight in those things. And then we would love our neighbor as ourselves. And so we can prioritize what God prioritizes by first prioritizing who he is and who he loves. And God loves, he loves people. And so we want to, like Paul says in in Romans, outdo one another in showing honor. And so that's a way to plan for showing love to others. God prioritizes his son and God cares for his people. We want to make good, wise decisions, prioritizing who God is and how he's revealed to us himself in his son and a love for others will do well. So um, we might simply ask in the planning process, Do my plans prioritize a love for God and the love he's shown me through Jesus and a love for my neighbor? Or does the plans that I'm making really run contrary to that? So that's the first way, that we would prioritize what God prioritizes. Number two, that we'd resist the urge to interpret the outcome of our plans before we see the whole picture. Look, I don't know about you, but I am an expert at getting about a quarter of the way through a plan and then thinking, I don't know. Maybe this isn't a good plan. Maybe this, we shouldn't have done this plan. Maybe we should rethink it. And, and it's just, it's so easy to start interpreting when we hit the first speed bump or the second or the third or the fourth speed bump in our plans and just kind of wonder and we start to interpret the outcomes of our plans before we can see the entire picture. 
You know, William Cowper, or it's not Cowper, it's Cooper, but you Brits, spelling things, C-O-W-P-E-R, Cooper, William Cooper, um, here's what he wrote. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his works in vain. God is his own interpreter and he will make it plain. That's his hymn, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. And what that is, is essentially, it's kind of, I love that blind unbelief, we don't know, it's sure to err. And it's scanning his work in vain. We're trying to kind of make sense of all these pieces and say, well, God, surely you're doing this, or, or maybe you're doing that. God is his own interpreter. He will make it plain. And so we simply don't know how all of the plans God has for us and for others that we love will work themselves out when they seem to have fallen flatter than when we're disappointed. You know, Trevin Wax gives the example of, he says, if you've ever looked at the backside of a quilt, um, you see that there's no overall pattern or design on the backside of the quilt. In fact, it looks crazy and strange and all of these kind of threads going everywhere. You might not even know what the design is at all. But when you turn over the quilt, you see how the individual patterns make up and the individual threads make out this kind of tapestry that's beautiful. And so what we have to remember is, look, if we turn the quilt of our lives over essentially and we're trying to just understand all of the threads and kind of figure out the pattern, we're, we might be in danger of, like Cooper says, that our blind unbelief would be sure to err because we'd start trying to interpret things different. You know, God's plan actually is going to include things in our life, planned things in our life, like suffering, that we would never include if we were writing the plan. Let's just acknowledge that, right? None of us would insert these things into our lives. And so if we try to figure out all of his plans, it would be just like trying to interpret the back of that quilt. But instead of shaking our fists at him or demanding that he tells us exactly why this is happening, we do well to turn around and we do well to look at the cross because I think the cross is the most clear place where we see where the plan of God is not something we would have understood or we would have planned ourselves and yet it clearly was the manifold wisdom of God hid, hidden for ages that's now been revealed. And so Paul writes this in Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. He's talking about God and he said, God makes known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. In other words, this plan for the cross, it has kind of the fullness of time in view, from the beginning and the fall and sin to the restoration of all things and heaven kind of reigning in Christ on the throne. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So God's plan for his son on the cross would not have been planned by us. God's plan for salvation through suffering, through the suffering of his son, would not have been what we would have foreseen. God's plan, bringing life out of the grave when it appeared all is lost, would be something would tempt us to anxiety, wondering, just like the disciples, what is going to happen now? And God's plan was to do you good in Christ even when you rebelled against him and even when you don't know the full outcome of what that plans, plan looks like. 
And so in that way, the cross prevents us from having a simplistic kind of Pollyanna approach to life. You know, just kind of like, well, just look on the bright side. Even though everything looks like it's lost, it'll be okay. Because many of aspects of our lives, we're going to have to wait until heaven and to see his plan unfolded to get closure. And if we're looking for closure now or trying to make plans, we just have everything buttoned up and we just kind of have it, everything works well, we're going to be sorely disappointed many times. And so, so maybe here's a, a word of caution. And I hope it helps us apply the gospel to how we plan. Look, you might have made plans and those plans are not going the way you wanted you might be here and you might have been waiting for years for those plans to come to fruition and you are disappointed. And I'm guessing that if that's you here this morning, you're tempted to think, God doesn't love me. God's against me. Why doesn't God give this to me? But I think what we need to do when we apply the gospel into how we think and how we plan is we shouldn't conclude that God is against us if our plans don't come to fruition the way we want. Our circum- Look, what we want is we want success and we want success to kind of be the marker for what we think God is giving approval to. And so if we're successful or if we get what we want, we can then conclude God loves me. But look, that is a dangerous spot. It's one of these kind of teeter-totters that if you try to put all of the weight on how you feel and how your acceptance of a God is by your success, you are going to find that you are just going further and further down this road of if I do everything right, then God's pleased with me. If I make my plans perfectly and nothing goes astray, then he, if I kind of have this perfectionistic view on life and my plans, then everything's good. But that's precisely against what the gospel says. Look, that shouldn't be the basis by which we're saying God approves of me or loves me. We should be remembering God planned to do us good in Christ even when we were rebelling against him. God's plan to do us good in Christ at the cross and in the resurrection is the only reliable indicator of how he feels about us. And so when you're tempted, if you're here and you're tempted thinking, all of my plans have not come out the way I want. I must be a miserable failure. Here's what you need to do, and you need to remind yourself, I can go to the cross because that is not, the cross tells me what God thinks of me. He loves me, and he's demonstrated his love towards me in this, that Christ died for my sins. And so his son, his life for you, that's how God feels about you. He loves you. He treasures you, and he treasures you, and he's given his son for you. So that's the second way here is, is we can resist the urge to interpret the outcome of our plans before we see the whole picture. And to see the whole picture, we have to look at the cross and the resurrection. And here's last, and this is, is two lines in my notes here. Make plans for discipleship that are greatly helped by planning. I can remember uh, Brian McAllister when I was uh, getting ready to graduate from college and he was a guy with, with crew who had discipled me over my years in college and he gave the kind of Benjamin uh, Franklin quote and he said, you know, those who fail to plan, plan to fail and he was speaking about discipleship areas and thinking about how you might read the word and engage with the word in prayer, the Lord in prayer. 
And, um, and so we might just say there are aspects of our walk with Christ that do well, they're given well to planning. So if, if you just wake up in the morning and say like, okay, what am I gonna read? This is what the Lord has for me. I would say that is probably a, not a good plan for how you're gonna kind of be able to understand who God is and how, his will for you but rather kind of a plan for how am I going to ingest God's word. So what Jen did for our family and some friends is she sent out a text and she said, okay, in June or in July, we're gonna read the book of John. And if it's the 17th, we're reading John chapter 17. If it's the 18th, we're reading John chapter 18. That was a plan and it helped us and we're, we're able to talk about it in our family, especially as the girls get older. We can kind of have everybody reading the same passage and then come back and talk about it. And so what's your plan to read the word What's your plan for prayer? How are you praying for people that are in your life that you want to be remembering in prayer? And what's your plan for giving? Now we could go on and on. Really, I think most of the things in our life in discipleship is we would do well to plan before we get there and not just kind of, like sadly, we can look at the importance. You might be somebody, you use OmniFocus, you have all these plans in your kind of life, all these things, and then you get to your Christian life and you're just kind of like the surfer waiting for the next wave. Like, don't just make plans in your business life. Make plans in your discipleship life. Now, I intentionally left that for last, and I left that after the cross because that's not, again, one of these things where it's like, here's how to be successful planner so God gives you everything you want. That's decidedly not it. But what it is is, it is God wants us to plan for good like we saw. So it's right for us to plan, and it's right for us to acknowledge that God's in control. And so we can confidently make plans, we can move forward by faith and with courage, and we can trust that God's going to adjust our plans as he sees fit, as necessary, and he's gonna help us learn to depend on him. Let's pray together. Father, again, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can plan and prepare. We can think and we can pray and we can get advice from others. All of these ways we've talked about in these last two weeks, and yet ultimately, Lord, we say not our will, but yours be done. We trust in you. And so in particular, Lord, I pray for those who are here this morning, and they are suffering in particular. They're tempted to wonder if you have forgotten them. Father, I pray you'd make the cross and the resurrection and their Savior very dear to them this week, that they would see him calling them to him, as the gentle and lowly Savior, calling them to find their rest in him. Father, for those who might be here and who might be tempted to put all of their trust in their plans that they're making, Father, I pray that you would gently humble us. You would help us to remind us we are not self-dependent creatures. We are dependent on you. And so may we submit all things to you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.